Thank you. Hello, everyone. Are we okay? Good. I'm really conscious. I've done this run through at home a couple of times and I've gone way over time, so I'm just going to crack on. <laughs> We're starting a new series. It's a new month. Um, we're starting a new series on health. And the first thing we're going to be talking about, given that we're going to be doing a week of prayer and fasting, is we're going to talk about prayer. But we're not just going to be talking today about prayers in isolation. What we, I want to share with you this morning is about how to have a healthy prayer life, a lifestyle of prayer. Now, I am not up here like Paul's just, um, Rob's just referenced, like these, pe these people who know how to pray, like these prayer warriors. I wouldn't consider myself that. I have walked this walk with God for, goodness me, about 20 years, and I have learned some things along the way about prayer. I have learned not to compare myself to others and how they pray and their approach to prayer. I have learned that my walk with God is unique just as yours is unique. And so hopefully I want to convey something from my own walk about how we can integrate prayer into our lives. Um, I'm a big fan of why. Uh, not like the letter Y, <laughs> like the reasons behind things. If you ask me to do something, but you do not tell me why, like what's the potential, what's the return, what are the possibilities, why, you're probably not going to get my buy-in. And if you, do, if you do see that I actually do what you ask me to do, and you haven't told me why, I might be doing it half-heartedly, I might be doing it begrudgingly, I might be doing it out of duty, and I might quite frankly stop doing it as soon as you stop watching me. Can anyone resonate with that a little bit? If you don't give me a why, then I'm probably not going to be wholeheartedly both feet in and bought in. So I'm hoping today that through sharing a little bit about my walk, about what I've learned about prayer, but not just prayers in isolation, like I said. And I want you to be really, right from the get-go, we're not talking about individual prayers and how to pray a prayer. We're talking about a lifestyle of prayer. And I want you to keep that in mind as we go through today. An illustration about why, and it's just comical, just to sort of break the ice a little bit. We went to Trenton Gardens on Friday. Um, and if anyone's been to Trenton Gardens, if any of you has a child and you go into the gardens themselves, you might know the gauntlet that is the Italian gardens before you get to the play area. Because it is lined with stones. And if you have a four-year-old like me who loves stones, we might never get to the play area. Because it's like, I don't know, what is it? Like 20, even 50 meters of just gravel. Well, she's having, she is living her best life. And Ben and I cannot get her to move from the first interaction with stones. Um, and on Friday, my child, I'm, this is like such poor parenting, and I apologize to anyone who loves birds or who works at Trenton Gardens, my child decided that she wanted to feed the ducks with the stones. Hmm, yeah, ah, mm. So she was throwing stones into the water, and we're like, Abigail, please stop throwing stones into the water carries on throwing them. I have no authority when it comes to my four-year-old. Please stop throwing stones. Please stop throwing stones in and feeding the ducks. And she just kept on doing it. The minute we said, Abigail, the ducks think that the stones are food and you're actually going to make them really poorly. She went, oh, sorry, ducks, and walked off. I was like, ah, oh. I gave her a why. Well, I don't know if it was me. It might have been you. Sorry, I, you being Ben, my husband, on the front row. Um, <laughs> Um, one of us had the wisdom 
to give Abigail a reason to stop feeding stones to the ducks. And she stopped. That's a why. So hopefully today I'm going to give you some whys. Because without whys, me asking you to do something, so we're talking about prayer, making prayer a lifestyle, praying more, praying harder, praying more, um, you know, in a, in, a high, in a greater capacity, that might just feel like a demand or a command if you don't know why or you're not bought into why. And you might be sat here today or listening online and you are, you would say that you are a person of faith and you've been walking with God for, for many years and you might not be sitting there going, I don't need a why because I know that what that why is. But you probably have at some point or another in your walk of faith gone, yeah, but why? Like, what, 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 why, why should I pray every day? Why should I make my walk with God a daily thing? What, like, what's in it for me? What, what's, what's behind prayer? Why should I pray? So we're going to talk about that today. So I want to start with, um, I'm going to start with a scripture because anything that is worth the while become, so we're going to talk about today putting prayer into our lives on a daily occurrence, not even just daily, but minute by minute. And that sounds like a tall order, I know. But I'm going to hopefully, through my own experience, encourage you a little bit about what that looks and feels like in our day-to-day. But anything that's worth, any positive change in our life, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, financial, any improvement or change that we want to put into our life requires hard work. You're like, I thought you were talking about prayer, Steph. I am. Hard work, yes. Discipline. Longevity. Something that's sustainable. It requires something, a mental change and shift in order for it to become embedded within our lives. And I want to start with, because I've got to be honest, I deleted this preach about five times when I started writing it. Because I started going down the route of physical health, thinking, oh, there's loads of parallels. Physical health, there's loads of parallels. And then I kind of ran out of steam because like, there's not enough of a why, Steph. You can't align having a great prayer life with being healthy and fitting into your favorite pair of jeans. It kind of like the parallels start to sort of run dry. But I do want to start with, to use the illustration of putting in discipline, because who knows that one salad or one gym session does not a healthy life make? Hebrews 12, verse 11. I'm going to say this like half jokingly at the moment because in the NIV, a good friend of mine who is in this church used to go to the gym with me. And whenever I wanted to stop, he would say to me, Steph, and I know this, verse, this version of the Bible, this version of this verse, including the grammar, because he would quote it to me every single time. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, full stop. Later on, comma, however, comma, it produces a harvest of righteousness and faith for those who have been trained by it. Hebrews 12, verse 11. Let's read that again, comedy aside. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. We're about to enter a, prayer, a season of prayer and fasting. Ben and I were talking about it yesterday, and Ben's like, I don't want to fast. It's hard. I like my food. I'm like, yeah, but that's fasting, Ben. It's a sacrifice. And he knows this. And, and, but we were talking about it. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. 
Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. If we want prayer to be our go-to, embedded in our life, it's going to require some discipline. So, are you all still with me? Are you all inspired and encouraged? (laughs) So we're going to talk about habits. We're going to talk about making prayer a healthy habit. Because the key, like I said, to any change or any improvement requires something becoming a habit. And not just um, a habit that we're conscious, but actually something that we're subconsciously doing. It's almost automatic. You don't need to tell me that when I get up in the morning, I need to get washed and dressed and brush my teeth or eat or drink or breathe. It's a habit. And habits do have some kind of negative connotations, don't they? We talk about like... um, in, in a, we talk about perhaps an addiction being a habit. But actually, a habit is a good thing. I'm a big fan of habit. I'm a big fan of structure. Because off the back of that, you can build something that's beautiful and robust and strong. So I'm a big fan of habits. So we're going to talk about habits. And I've got a quote for you here by um, a lady. She pastors a church with her husband in North Carolina, Sharon Hody Miller. And this is pulled from a book that I... Why would you take a book that's about the cost of control on holiday? I mean, I, this is what I did. I don't know why I did that. I was not holiday reading, but it was a very good book. And um, she says this about habits. She says, what forms you is not your belief, but your habits. My life is not healthier on a day-to-day basis because I believe salad is better for me than chocolate. My life is not better on a day-to-day basis because I believe exercise is better than a sedentary life. Controversially, and I hope that people understand what I say when I say this, my life is not better or healthier on a day-to-day basis because 20 years ago I prayed a prayer of salvation. So I am saved, yes, absolutely. But on a day-to-day, walking out my faith in fear and trembling, is my life healthier? No, it's the habits that I put in place. So we're talking about habits and we're talking about getting healthy in our prayer life and maintaining health in our prayer life. But what does that even look like? And I, like I say, I've often fallen victim to feeling quite intimidated by people who I perceive to be these great prayer warriors. And I berate myself for my apparent unhealthiness when it comes to prayer and my relationship with prayer but in my learning about prayer by actually praying by having by by trying to pray and by living my life and wanting God in it what I have learned is like every other lens of health whether that's physical emotional mental spiritual that my life is different to everyone else's. And not just my life, but actually the season of my life right now is different to the season that I was in five years ago. My relationship to prayer is very different now, having got a four-year-old, than it was five years ago when I didn't have a child. Because five years ago, I could wake up, I could make myself a cup of tea, because back then I liked tea, and I could have my quiet time with God, uninterrupted, and it was beautiful, and I have some quality time with God, and then I go about my day. As soon as Abigail entered my world, now she is a morning person. She does not take any time at all to wake up. She is awake. 
and she will because she just wants to be playing immediately within a minute of being awake. I don't have that luxury anymore. But that doesn't mean that my prayer life is unhealthy. It just means I have to make adapt adaptations and changes to my approach to how I live my life to maintain good health. But the fact that prayer is a habit in my life means that when the changes come along, I seek to make sure that they stay in rather than they fall by the wayside. Does that make sense? So we're looking to make sure that our desire to have a healthy relationship with prayer is in place so that when our seasons change, and they will, that actually it's still a non-negotiable. I still wake up and I still get dressed and I still wash my hair and I still eat and I still breathe. I still pray. Okay. So I, like I said, the parallels between a physical health or even a mental health and with a healthy prayer life, the parallels kind of ran short. Because I was like, you know, you talk about sort of a varied, balanced diet and, you know, regular exercise. And I was like, oh, that's just, it's just not enough. Because actually prayer is prayer and it needs to be there all the time. You can't have a cheat day on prayer. So I was like, well, what other, what other health parallels can I, can I come to, can I, can I use to illustrate, God, what you want to say about how we have, our, what our approaches to a healthy prayer life and the reason I kept deleting the, my preach, honestly, I started writing it like a month ago and I deleted it about four times. It's really not helpful. Um, but I came, because I, I kept coming back to my prayer life will only ever be as healthy as my relationship to the person I am praying with and to is strong. I have to have a strong, healthy, robust confident one-to-one relationship with my God if I'm ever going to have a healthy prayer life because otherwise I'm just praying into the wind and I'm, my, my hope is a oh I hope it's not a no I hope because my hope does not disappoint because it's it's in God I have to have a healthy relationship with God so we're going to look at the parallels between relational health and what it takes to maintain a healthy relationship and how that relates to prayer and how we can use that to put ourselves to build if we haven't got one or actually to sharpen and hone and ensure that we have a healthy prayer life because who knows that when you're confident that God knows you when he when you know that he loves you when you know that he accepts you just as you are, the hot mess that you can be at some times, when you know that God has time for you, when you know that he has personal and bespoke good plans just for you, when you know that he has provision and promise just for you, when you know that he wants you, when you know that he loves you with every fiber of his unlimited being I am here for that relationship I want that and I will pray to him until the day I go home so how's your relationship with God this morning and if you take nothing else away from today take that away my relationship with God needs to be so strong that I can pray to him and be real and vulnerable, open, honest, and receptive to what he has to say. So let's look at what it takes to have a healthy relationship, 
Consider those who are close to you, your friends, your family, your spouse, your best friend. And I hope that every single one of us can think of someone. Think about what it takes to maintain a really strong, healthy relationship with that person or people. So I've got five short, practical points um, to hopefully illustrate this and encourage us towards a healthy life of prayer. The first one is turn up. It's not rocket science today, folks. It is turn up. It's be available. It's be present. So when you turn up, when that person comes around to yours, when you meet up, when you go around to that person's, when you spend time in relationship, it's remove the distractions. And this, this oh, I'm, I'm challenging myself when I, when I write this and I say this. Like I say, I am not up here because I am the authority in all of this. But remove distractions. Put the phone down. Like the thoughts about what you're going to have for tea, and I need to add that to the shopping list, and I hope Ben's remembered he's picking up Abigail today. Just set them aside. <laughs> remove the distractions and be present with the person that you are relating to right there. Converse, speak, we'll get to that in a bit, but also listen. So in, you don't turn up just to like verbally download on a person. You want to hear what they have to say as well. Be consistent. The healthy, deep and solid relationships are such because we regularly interact with those people. We frequently. I know that there are those sayings and those memes that go around going, isn't it wonderful that you can go a year without seeing someone and you can pick up like nothing's ever you know, passed, no time's passed. But they're not the people you call when you're in crisis. The people you call when you're in crisis are the people who you spend your minute by minute, day by day with. They're the people you call, call on. So be consistent. Be committed. Turn up when you say you would. Honor your commitments. Um, and then also be confident. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in the help, of time, and help in time of need. Come in confidence. When you turn up meeting your friend or your partner or, your, you, know, you, you, or you, enter into, you go into a dialogue or a conversation with your loved one, you don't turn up timidly going, am I in the right place? No, you know that you're wanted. You know that you're expected. So come with confidence. So when you pray to God, be all of those things. Be available. Be ready to pray as and when he prompts you to. Be present. Remove the distractions. The, thing, the task list can wait. Set it aside. Be consistent. So it's so important to make this a habit, a daily, regular, if, you know, if not more so occurrence, and we'll get to that in a moment. Be committed and be confident that God wants you. He wants to spend time with you. That's prayer. He wants to talk to you. He wants to hear what's on your heart, and he wants to share what's on his. So turn up. The second one is time. Oh, this one is really hard. Schedule it. Protect it. That's what we do in our relationships, isn't it? Has anyone tried to schedule in a social meeting with friends and fa or family, and you suddenly get to like, two months later and you all of a sudden find a date that you can all do 
Like it's hard. Life, it's hard to schedule in these times, but it's so important. And this is why, you know, coming back to discipline and habit, it feels mundane, but it's so important. If we don't schedule it, then we're not going to find space or room for it. Prioritize it in your life. Prioritize those people in your life. Block out the time for those important people. Because I know, and I know that you, and I'm sure you will feel the same, that my life is so much more the better, having spent time with quality people. And I hope that theirs is also for spending time with me. I think I'm a good friend. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, oh, sorry, Joe. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I mean, it's, it's a great scripture. But rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Hmm. Romans 12, verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Hmm. Matthew 6, verse 6 says, But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now, I am not belittling the word of God at all, but those three scriptures intimidate me. Because what on earth does pray without ceasing look and feel like? What does praying constantly look like? Has anyone with a toddler managed to shut the door behind them and spend some quality time in private? Nope. What on earth am I meant to do? And this, I, I, you know, I was writing this going, I don't know, like, this is one of the hardest things when it comes to making a life of prayer. This is, and I've found this so hard. And I found it so hard to understand. But listen, today, yes, it's important. It's in the Bible. It's an instruction. We are to pray without ceasing. But how? Well, I've, I'm going to share some of my experiences. But also, have grace with yourself. Please, please, please have grace. The minute we take the habit and the discipline to the extreme, it becomes legalistic. And that's not God's heart. It's relationship. So... Have some grace with yourself. But here's what I've learned about praying constantly and praying without ceasing. Because I don't know about you, but my employer does not pay me to pray. So how on earth do I outwork this? But when I look at it through the lens of relationship, Ben and I are not in conversation at all times, every minute of every hour of every day. But we are always married. So the relationship is always there. We might not have those one-to-one -one quality conversations every single hour of every single day or perhaps even of every day because life happens. But we're always married and we're always in some form of communication. And this is where I now say, God bless WhatsApp. Because I might be at work, Ben's at work, and we text each other. How's your day going? How did that meeting go? Because I know you were a bit worried about that. How did that conversation go? Are you having a good day? I believe in you. I read this scripture. I thought of you. That's relationship. And that can also be prayer. Like not that God has WhatsApp. But that it doesn't have to be the quality half an hour focused time with God. Yes, those are precious. And yes, it's important to find that time. 
But actually also, it could be the quick 30-second prayer. Before I go into a meeting at work, I will send up a prayer and say, God, help. Because I'm a bit daunted about this one, or I need this one to go well. Or actually, God, I just want to honor you with my words in this meeting and this interaction. And I thank you that you are with me. I might not be praying with him at all times, but I'm always a child of God. My relationship is always there. So I hope that helps because it really helped me. Because I don't know how to pray constantly. Like I'm, I can't go and be a nun and devote my, and this is no disrespect to nuns at all. I went to a school run by nuns when I was little. They're beautiful, beautiful people. But I can't. Like that's not my life. That's not my calling. How do I practically pray all the time? But it's those minute by minute times. Sometimes I've had a little bit of, like a, a bit of a rocky time, whether it's, you know, a call or a meeting or a conversation, I have, you know, I have to go like downstairs, because I work at home, down, down into the kitchen, put some music on and just take a minute and just say, God, I just need to talk about this. You know, how many, how many of us have gone to the toilet to pray before? Just me? No, oh, thank you. Thank you for joining me, because that could have been well awkward. But uh, not in the toilet. You've also done the same. So, um, but yeah, but it matters. Going, the whole going, and going to pri- in private and shutting the door behind you, what on earth does that look like at times when in your, if you're in a house full of people and you don't have your own space? For Ben, shutting the door behind him means actually shutting the front door. Every, a couple of mornings every week, Ben wakes up really early, makes himself a cup of tea and goes for a walk. And he doesn't see a single soul for an hour. And he finds a bench. You find a bench, right? There's a bench. And he sits on his bench and he has his quiet time with God, completely undisturbed, because he knows that Abigail is awake and wanting to do jigsaws at one minute past six. So that, that's his version of when you pray, go by yourself and shut the door. Find what works for you. It's not that we have to literally follow word for word verbatim what the instruction is, but it's understand the essence of, it's find that quality time where you are all distractions removed and you're just with me and protect it and fight for it. That's time. And speaking of which, the next one is talk. Um, Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and Matthew 6 verse 7 and 8 says when you pray don't don't babble on thanks Steph for the note that's great don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. So yes, talk, but two things, and I, I'm conscious of our time, two things. Basically, you can be as real as you like with God. Think about it again through the lens of relationship. You don't have to put a false face on. You don't have to put on any pretense when you're with those people who love you and know you. You can be just, you can be the snotty, hot mess. You can be laughing so much that you snort a little bit. You can be angry. Yes, you can be angry. You can be all of the feelings and all of the emotions that God's designed in front of God. Be real with God. Tell him exactly how you feel. And if you need to vent off a little bit, vent off a little bit. I'd like to think that God can handle me being cross. 
And I'd like to think that he's like, well, at least you're not taking it out on anyone else. And actually, I'm glad you're feeling real today because we can work with this. Be real with God. And also, do not feel like you have to justify what you're praying for with some holy logic. You don't have, like, Abigail does not have to justify to me why, why, she, why she wants to wear a party dress on a Tuesday. This morning, we didn't get to have a bath last night, so we had a morning bath this morning. She was having a bath this morning. She says, I want to wear my swimming costume. I mean, I don't have an answer. So we had a bath in our swimming costume this morning. Like, she did, there, was no, there was no logic, no justification, no reasons, and, you know, business plan rollout. Just, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'd love to see, God. Because, again... When you're with your nearest and dearest, you don't feel like you have to justify yourself, or you shouldn't. You don't have to justify yourself with God. You don't have to justify your feelings or your wants or your desires with God. The fourth one is traction, which is my, if you've been keeping up, my T word for grit. Stick at it. Relationships that are special, that are precious, are worth the commitment and the fight. Be all in. I say, Ben and I are married. We're not half married. We are all in married. And sometimes, like any relationship, we have to remind ourselves of that fact. When we're having perhaps a difficult conversation, like life is full of ups and lows, ups and downs, yes? Valleys and mountains. As is perhaps our relationship with God, let's be honest, let's be real. We have to remind ourselves of the commitment that we made. We're not going anywhere. We're not, and Ben is very good at reminding me of this. Ben's wisdom in, in our difficult conversations is frustrating. Um, he says, we're, not, we're on the same team, Steph. We're not fighting against each other. We're fighting together for the same thing. We might be coming at it from different angles, but we're fighting together. When you pray, you're not fighting against God. You're fighting with him. You're bringing the fight to God and saying, God, I need your strength. I need you in this. Bring the fight to God. Bring, bring, bring the grit. Bring the dirt. Because it's worth it. And finally, trust. Psalm 62, verse five, verses 5 to 8 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is in him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Hold nothing back. Be real and trust God. What faith and trust in God must that psalmist have had to write that down? Because that must have been a conviction that was as real as real can be. I want that. That is what I'm going after. When prayer becomes a habit, it means that when things are hard, when things feel like they're too much for me, when they're taking longer than I think they should take, I pray that I would meet them with prayer and worship instead of impatience and despair. I pray that I would see things from God's perspective because I trust in his goodness and his strength and his character and that he's got the best in store for me. Prayer can be a way of living every moment of our lives. 
It's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's a lifestyle. Priscilla Shira says this, prayer is not just for fighting spiritual battles. Prayer is for knowing God and relating to him in all of life. And as I was praying about this, I was like, God, what do you want people to know? Because yes, there's loads of practical things about how to embed prayer into our lives. And you know, hopefully I've encouraged you and given you some things to think about. But God, what do you want to say? And God's like, it's relationship, Steph. I want them to want a relationship with me. God says in his word, I am the bread of life. He teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread because it's daily. It's every single day. You can't bank it until Sunday and cash in. It's daily. It's on your own. It's your one-to-one relationship. Today is an invitation to every single one of us, whether you're listening online or you're in the room, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for 20 plus years or this is your first time into a church building, today is an invitation to deepen your relationship with God. And like Rob said, we're starting a week of prayer and fasting. And very often we say to people, we ask ourselves, and it's important to ask this, otherwise you're just being cruel to yourself, what are you fasting for? What are you believing for? What do you need to see breakthrough in? What do you need to see change? Where do you want to see God move? And sometimes we feel like we have to find something to fast for. Because actually we don't, there isn't anything immediate. But actually, perhaps, why don't we, we don't need to fast for something this week. Maybe we need to fast after someone. Maybe we need to fast after a deeper relationship with God. I want to finish by reading Psalm 23 to you. And you might feel like this is a bit of a weird one, but I found out in my preparation for this, the most common um, translation in Hebrew of the word shepherd is also best friend. And I want to read Psalm 23 through the lens of Jesus being my best friend and being assured of that relationship and that this is personal. So have a listen to this. And then we're going to um, pray and we're going to sing. The Lord is my best friend. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Have we all got that friend or that close loved one who when we're feeling it and life is hard, they scoop you up. You, you don't have to be on your best behavior. They come round, your house is a mess. They put the kettle on. They just, they bring peace to you. My best friend guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Those good relationships help us make good decisions and stay on track. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for my best friend is close beside me. My best friend's rod and his staff protect and comfort me. My best friend fights with me. My best friend prepares a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, and they don't leave me when the fight gets hard. They dig deep with me. My best friend honors me, By anointing my head with oil, my cup overflows with blessings. I am precious 
to those who love me. Surely my best friend's goodness and his unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. My best friend's not going anywhere. Now, goodness me, with that kind of love, knowing that that's available for you, why would you not want to pray? And why would you not want to pray every day? And why would you not want to talk to God? And why would you not want to listen to God every moment of every day? And I know that practically we have to put things in place to realize that and to prioritize that. And it might be hard in some seasons, but goodness me, would you want it? My prayer is that you would want it and that that would be enough of a why to make changes. So we're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing. And the next song that we're gonna sing, and we can go straight into it and when I say amen, is I speak Jesus. Let's remind ourselves of the relationship available to us with Jesus. He is the, he is the God, he is the one who paid the price, who wanted us, who died for us. He is your best friend. And if you don't know him yet as your best friend, oh my goodness, he wants it. And sometimes when you don't know what to pray, don't you sometimes when life is really, really hard and you just go to your loved one and you can't articulate what's wrong, but my goodness, you just need to be with someone speaking their name, speaking Jesus and bringing Jesus into that moment can be all the answer to the prayer that you need. So let's pray and then let's sing. God, I thank you that you have, you want relationship with us. And yes, whilst we've been talking about prayer, whilst we've been talking about how to practically make space for you and be available for you, God, I believe that all you want at the end of the day is hearts that want you. And right now I pray that every single heart in this room, every single heart listening online would want Jesus whether that's for the first time, whether that's for the 50th time, the thousandth time. And perhaps we're sitting here and we're considering our relationship and we're thinking through those practical things. And God, we realize we haven't been turning up. We haven't been making the time. We're not very good at talking. We've cut and run when it's got hard and we've gone to other things and elsewhere. So God, right here, right now, we all, in our hearts, make that, one, that individual decision to come back to our God. Say, I want to reconnect with my Father in heaven. I want to reconnect with my best friend and my Lord. I want to start by speaking the name of Jesus. Amen.